The jolly green climbs above the river and turns toward the China Sea. A solitary RPG streaks at a 45-degree angle from the canopy below and explodes inside the bay. The ship shudders once and cracks in half, his fuel tanks blooming into an enormous orange fireball. The wounded on board are coated with flame as they plummet downward toward the water. Their lives are taken incrementally by flying shrapnel and bullets, by liquid flame on their skin, and by drowning in a river. In effect, they are forced to die three times. A medieval torturer could not have devised a more diabolic fate. When I wake from the dream, I have to sit for a long time on the side of the bed, my arms clenched across my chest, as though I've caught a chill or the malarial mosquito is once again having its way with my metabolism. I assure myself that the dream is only a dream, that if it were real, I would have heard sounds and not simply seen images that are the stuff of history now and are not considered of interest by those who are determined to recreate them. I also tell myself that the past is a decaying memory and that I do not have to relive and empower it unless I choose to do so. As a recovering drunk, I know I cannot allow myself the luxury of resenting my government for lying to a whole generation of young men and women who believed they were serving a noble cause. Nor can I resent those who treated us as oddities, if not pariahs, when we returned home. When I go back to sleep, I once again tell myself I will never again have to witness the wide-scale suffering of innocent civilians, nor the betrayal and abandonment of our countrymen when they need us most. But that was before Katrina. That was before a storm with greater impact than the bomb blast that struck Hiroshima peeled the face off southern Louisiana. That was before one of the most beautiful cities in the Western Hemisphere was killed three times, and not just by the forces of nature. Chapter 2 The centerpiece of my story involves a likable man by the name of Jude LeBlanc. When I first knew him, he was a nice-looking kid who threw the Daily Iberian played baseball at Catholic High, and was a weekly communicant at the same church I attended. Although his mother was poorly educated and worked at menial jobs and his father a casualty of an oil well blowout, he smiled all the time and was full of self-confidence and never seemed to let misfortune get him down. I said he smiled. That's not quite right. Jude shined the world on and slipped its worst punches and in a fight knew how to swallow his blood and never let people know he was hurt. He had his Jewish mother's narrow eyes and chestnut hair, and he combed it straight back in a hump like a character out of a 1930s movie. Somehow he reassured others that the earth was a good place, that the day was a fine one, and that good things were about to happen to all of us. But as I watched Jude grow into manhood, I had to relearn the old lesson that often the best people in our midst are perhaps destined to become sojourners in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ordinary men and women keep track of time in sequential fashion by use of clocks and calendars. The residents of Gethsemane do not. Here are a few of their stories, each of them touching in an improbable way 
the life of a new Iberia kid who grew into a good man and did nothing to invite the events fate would impose upon him. On Friday, August 26, 2005, Jude LeBlanc wakes in a second-story French Quarter apartment, one that allows him a view of both the courtyard below and the spires of St. Louis Cathedral. It's raining hard now, and he watches the water sluicing down the drain pipes into the beds of hibiscus, banana trees, and hydrangeas below, pooling in the sunken brickwork that is threaded with leaves of wild spearmint. For just a moment, he almost forgets the ball of pain that lives 24 hours a day in the base of his spine. The Hispanic woman, whose name is Natalia, is fixing coffee and warm milk for him in the tiny kitchen off the living room. Her cotton sundress is dark purple and printed with bone-colored flowers that have pink stamens. She's a thin woman whose strong hands and muscular tautness belie her.